what are some of the signs of the end times and how would we know? We know that Jesus says that, you know, no one knows the hour when I'm coming back. The point that I would make is that it's really hard to pinpoint some of these things specifically. The Bible is kind of general in some of these things. How would that affect the way we do ministry and the way we see society and life? Bring it. Let's go, comment section. What's up? Hey, Josh, you know how I'm studying the Bible? There's a bunch of fancy words that people like to toss around. Sure. Well, today we're actually going to look at one of them. It's eschatology. Nice. Now, don't worry for all our viewers out there. We're going to break it down and we're not going to sit in all these fancy terms. Sounds good. So welcome to Kingdom Thinking. Today, we're going to talk about the question of the end times. Mm. What do the end times look like according to the Bible? And how would we know if we were in the end times? So the fancy term for this is eschatology. We don't have to worry about that for today. We just want to see, hey, what should we be on the lookout for? Yes. So what do you think? Um, Growing up, did you ever encounter any like end times books, movies, any media that's part of like the Christian culture? Can you think of anything? Yeah, I was immersed in uh, the Left Behind series. So I came out of like my family tradition, my Christian tradition that I grew up in in school was a part of like the Brethren Church world. And so it was like big into like, hey, Left Behind, you're going to disappear in an instant. You're not going to even be wearing clothes, right? You're going to get to heaven and it's going to be a pile of clothes on the floor. Right. Uh, And... Yes, yeah, so that was like so my you remember first the, experience okay. at second. Grade. How many movies were those? Was, oh, it, was it like a trilogy or was it a too bunch? Too many. There's more know, than three. Too many. Okay. There. Uh, yeah. So for for those of you who might not be aware, the Left Behind series is a compilation of movies and books and books too. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. That are supposed to be focused around the theme of the rapture. Mm-hmm. Uh, this theme that comes up in the Bible when it says that people will be um, raptured, or I mean, what, what's a, another word for rapture? Like grabbed? Yeah, taken away. Uh, take. There you go taken away um and the way that that's illustrated in some of these movies and books is right like cars well, it's like a pilot is without... flying the plane you better hope your pilot's not a christian it, it, yeah exactly <laughs> exactly yeah the the implications and the illustrations for this like are endless right it gets almost comical um but this is a a, a real serious part yes. of a lot of these movements right so i remember that um i remember kind of do you remember the way of the master him and trust in jesus when are you gonna do that? I'm gonna do that right now. No. It's this evangelistic like video series with okay. Ray Comfort and Kirk Cameron. Okay. And a lot of their emphasis is on a lot of like confrontation and kind of reason and debate on I'm gonna show you that you're morally deficient, right? You cannot keep the commandment, therefore your need is 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 Jesus, is yeah. God, right? That reminds me a lot of like the turn or burn kind of sure. evangelism, right? And so it's convert or burn. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say it's necessarily fear-based, but it's it's urgent. It's now. Sure. You don't want to be left behind. You don't yeah. want to be yeah. right on, on the wrong side of that gate. Um, so that those are some of the things that come up. Now, a lot of the times, you know, I'll admit Christian media is kind of poked at as cheesy or mm-hmm. um, superficial, et cetera. But some of these questions are are real. And, yeah. and I, I would surmise, you know, some of our viewers would want to ask some of these questions too. Like, what are some of the signs of the end times and how would we know? Um, so today we're going to cover three different views, three different theological perspectives on this. And we're going to talk about, one, how would you know if your church or your church tradition is part of this? And how would this affect the way we live in society at all? 
So, Josh, take me through the first one. Yeah, so we'll start with dispensationalism. Okay, which another is, fancy word, so break it down for me. Uh, well, it's basically the idea that there's an understanding that God is working in different periods of time okay. through different people, right? Okay. So, specifically, that would mean in the Old Testament, God works in a certain way mm-hmm. through the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. In the New Testament, God works through, uh, through the church mm-hmm. in a specific way. And right. Jesus. Yes. Right? <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> yeah, so God Correct. carries out his affairs, right, through different people in different ways. Uh, and, and so the idea here, right, is that world politics are uh, theological by nature, and they're instrumental in revealing where we are at in God's timeline. So basically, you okay. can look at what's happening in the Middle East right now. Right. Uh, this this kind of flared up again when there was another Israel and Palestine conflict earlier in the year. That's correct. People were very curious, is this a sign? Right. And starting to ask, because uh, one, you know, kind of the core beliefs in, in this um or one of the core tenets in this belief system, yeah, yeah, is going to affirm that, like, the kingdom of Israel needs to be restored. Correct. So, like, the temple actually is going to be brought back before uh, everything... For some, not for everybody. Yeah, 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 for for some people. Uh, And and so so people are looking like, hey, is Israel going to, like, officially take over? And so they begin asking those questions. Exactly. The one way I've heard this phrase is the Middle East is God's global clock. Yes. Right? And so, again, the, the conviction becomes that global politics are the indicator of how prophecies and the biblical things are are going to turn out. Mm -hmm. Now, I get the appeal to this because on the one hand, it's like, well, yeah, how else would we know except for the real life manifestations of these things? Of these things working themselves out. Yeah, correct. Number two, uh, what feels safer? Agnosticism of like, well, I don't know, or no, no, like give me something to hang on to. Sure. So I get that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also understand the interpretive model. So- in, in this perspective of reading the Bible, a lot of the texts in the Old Testament that relate to Israel are taken um, in, in, a, in a broad sense, literally. Yeah. Right? So when God promises Abram in Genesis 12, your descendants uh, are going to have, they're going to be countless like the stars, mm-hmm. like the sand. You're going to have a land specifically, mm-hmm. and your son will restore the world. That particularly the promise for land, that yeah. place that's taken to be not only transcendental, but uh, literally like the piece of land of Judea, which is modern day Palestine, that is what God promised. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other passages in like Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel 37. There's this big vision of uh, a, basically a graveyard that's resurrected. Um, and people take that to be no, like this is God's promise that the people of Israel can never be forsaken. Right. They will physically be restored, brought back into yep. this piece of land. So the way that's usually understood is that at the end um, of God's affairs in the world, this these things will come to fulfillment, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there's a commitment to more of a literal reading and Yeah, and in one way it makes a lot of sense because it's the only thing that we have that's tying us to the relic that is the Bronze Age, right? I mean, Israel is this thing that really that the majority of us know in kind of popular parlance of like that has existed in mm-hmm. some way, shape or form since whatever, 1500 BCE. And yeah. so the, the Jewish people have been around for such a long time. Right. So you look at that and then you look at this perspective and you go, well, if they've preserved this long, like clearly there's got to be some, some divine hand on, you know, yeah. on yeah. them. Exactly. Um, so in that perspective, the points of emphasis in Christian churches mm-hmm. are the tribulation, right? the rapture, persecution and the um, adverse relationship of the government to Christianity right. and how that's going to 
amass, accumulate, and eventually lead to um, a global fight. Yeah. Um, movies, a lot of those books. Yeah, Nicolas Cage, that, man. Right? Yeah. yeah, tax evasion, so he does a left behind movie so he can pay for it. <laughs> Crazy, that guy. There you go. Um, one. So one of a big commitment also here is that the reference to Israel sure. is one-to-one with the modern nation right. that was made in 1948. Correct. So an important detail is that Israel as a nation in the Old Testament uh, was became under, uh, basically colonized mm-hmm. by first by the Greeks, then by the Romans. Their temple was destroyed in AD 70, and then they get dispersed, mm-hmm. right? So for almost 2,000 years, that people group was not an actual political entity until 1948. So the conviction here is that, well, yeah, there it is. That, that 1948, now you have a flag. Yeah. Now you have an embassy. You have borders. That the clock's kind of officially started ticking. Exactly. Yeah. That is, uh, that's the same reference. Right. Okay. That's going to be a big point uh, of difference in the second conviction. Mm-hmm. But before we move on to the second perspective, how would holding to these commitments... How would that affect the way we do ministry and the way we see society and life? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's a big movement that's kind of worldwide now called the Calvary Chapel movement that is probably the most popular framework in ministerial world by which this is done, mm. right? And so there's a heavy emphasis on trying to, uh, what what they have done, right, is, is really tried to balance this idea of like understanding, hey, the end is coming, right? Like it's not terribly far off. We need to be prepared for that. So as a result of this, like, we need to get the gospel out to everybody mm. that we can to ensure that everybody has a chance to at least hear about God. And, and so they probably do uh, the biggest kind of example of what it looks like to try and balance these two mm. perspectives uh, honestly and well and fair. Uh, now, there's been you know kind of some difficulties with that and in, in some certain predictions that have been made that haven't come true or whatever. Uh, but the bigger idea here is like, we know that Jesus says that, you know, no one knows the hour when I'm mm-hmm. coming back, but we can certainly look for the signs and kind of pay attention to this, that, or the other and kind of what's going on. Uh, and so one of the other key kind of components of this is, is the interpretive framework that kind of gets talked about, right? And so for a long time, when you read the book of Revelation, the idea mm-hmm. was like Russia was the enemy or was the bad whatever, when it was coming from the American perspective. And now you've kind of seen that move to China uh, as things have gotten a little bit more contentious between the America's relationship uh, with them on like a geopolitical level. And so the idea here is trying to figure out how those hermeneutics all fit together, right? Mm-hmm. How that interpretation kind of fits well. And so if you're going to be somebody who's in this movement, you are going to have to have an emphasis on both the end and the current, right? And you're going to have to try your best to maintain both of those yeah. things. You do your ministry in light of Correct. the viewpoint of the end time. Exactly. And so what what it really surfaces is a sense of urgency, sure. a sense of taking seriously the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be argued in New Testament literature that the apostles might have thought Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that would be that would be a perspective I would hold on Paul's writings. Yeah. That it's, it's urgent. It's, yeah. it's happening mm-hmm. now. So be sober, yep. right? Like you could just hear it in like the letters of Peter and yep. the letters of Paul. Uh, don't be lazy. Go, right. go. Uh, right. Be um, diligent in the work and the the commission that has been. Don't get married. Like no need to get married. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. No time. Yeah. Um, so taking that seriously strikes me as a good thing. Sure. To take that command seriously, um, I think where it gets tricky is where w- you have to make commitments to really specific details, like yeah, uh, you know the the enemy or the beast or whatever that is like having to pinpoint what that is, whether mm-hmm. that's Russia, China, or 
whoever the Antichrist is, that I think is harder to maintain. Sure. Particularly when time has changed and now your your references have changed as well. Well, it's it's ever shifting sand, right? right? And, and so um, the late Chuck Smith, who wrote, I think he wrote a book in 1981 called "81 Reasons Why Jesus Is Coming Back in 1981," something like that, right? And so that exists, right? We but we see this throughout kind of time and memoriam of people trying to figure out when God is coming Correct. back. So that's not. I mean, it's not a Calvary it's, Chapel it's problem. That's specific. Just a, no, that's a people problem. Correct. Right? Like wanting wanting to know that. Correct. And I mean, you see that with the Millerites in the 1880s, right? Getting that incorrect, uh, like selling their stuff and going up a big hill and waiting for God to come Dude, back and get them. That's like, crazy. God's that not really here. happened? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like God's not here. It's like, what do we do? You know? Uh, and so the idea, I mean, even up to, through 2012 with the Mayan calendar ending, Correct. right? Like people buying billboards and saying like jesus is coming back at this time you're like oh you kind of missed the ball there uh, <laughs> unless the mayans were dyslexic uh and so but the the idea here is like these are going to be more difficult positions to maintain right particularly the specificity because the bible is kind of general in some yeah. of these things right and so that second peter passage is probably what gets quoted the most right second peter three where it's like in the end days there's going to be like scoffers and mockers and you're like yo that's, that's like just, always that's just forever <laughs> right. there right and so it's like They've been dealing with that since the first century. Yeah. So, well, you know, what do we do with that tension there? Correct. So, yeah, it can definitely be a pitfall if you're not careful yeah, in the so way that you do your... We don't want to generalize. Right. Um, there's incredibly faithful yeah. and productive and uh, awesome church traditions, denominations, and colleges that yep. hold to some of these beliefs. Yep. Uh, the point of emphasis and distinction for me is how they're putting the Old Testament and the New Testament together. Yes. Because in contrast, you're going to have what's called covenant theology mm-hmm. or reformed theology or replacement theology. There's or anti-Semitism. Bring it. Let's go, comment section. What's up there? Come at me. Which is going to propose the opposite. Yeah. Which yeah. is rather than one people of God in the Old Testament, kind of like plan 1A and then 1B and then kind of back to one, Yeah, it's, no, 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 the church and Israel were always meant to be the same entity. Mm-hmm. And uh, basis for this is going to be taken in a theological approach or an interpretation approach that says, what we have from Genesis to Revelation is one coherent story that informs itself. And so the the tension or the hesitation to say, no, 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 we have to let the Old Testament be literally talking about these things and the New Testament has to uh, kind of respect the Old Testament voice, that tension wouldn't exist. Right. Uh, Because you have Jesus saying in the road to Emmaus, am I saying that right? Mm -hmm. Hey, by the way, all that stuff, yeah, it was about me. Mm -hmm. Um. Paul has this really trippy passage in Galatians 6 where he calls Israel, uh, the church, the Israel of God. Mm-hmm. What? Um, and Romans 9 through 11 is a huge passage for debate. I'm not going to get into that right now, but what does it mean? Not all Israel is Israel and, and all this kind of other stuff is going to happen. Right, so right. the point that I would make is that it's really hard to pinpoint some of these things specifically and that a contra- I understand a contrasting conviction to say, hey, if we're going to say that the Old Testament and New Testament are one story, like let's really say it's one story. And if that's the case, then the covenant that God is making with humanity in the Garden of Eden isn't 1A and 1B. It's, no, this is the point the whole time. Yeah, it's one. 
Um, and so that perspective is going to rub people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. It has been for a long time because it, it seems anti-Semitic, mm-hmm. right? It's like, wait, wait, wait. And so like Martin Luther's got regrettable, I would say, right comments where he's like- <laughs> That's a really nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> regrettable. Um, yeah, I mean like it's anti-Semitic. Yeah. And it, it's not great. Yeah. Um, however, a a perspective of, of the unity of the body of Christ and the plan that God's, when he refers to his people as his spouse. Sure. That's supposed to inspire unity, and that's supposed to inspire not only a great commission that goes out, but that also comes back. Right. In, in other words, in the Old Testament, they had to go to this specific place of the temple to worship, right? In the New Testament, now it goes to the four corners of the earth. Correct. Um, there's a completion there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this perspective is less committed to seeing some of these references as literal. Right. Um, it's also less interested in pinpointing specific dates and times in the world affairs and saying, yep, that's what the Bible's talking about. Right, right. And so with passages about, oh, the rapture and the tribulation, it's like, oh, okay, it could be, yeah, right? Cool. Before yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jesus comes or it not. Right. Um, so there's less uh, disposition to speculate. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say... I personally find that perspective more compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just because I'm a Calvinist, right? I mean, the Calvinists are going to be the dudes who are drinking the the bearded people with the IPAs, right? That's that's how, And the cigars, that's how you spot the Calvinists. Sure. Um, but it's not not just so much a, a cultural thing, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I do think there's benefits and advantages to understanding the Bible isn't this handbook for politics. Correct. Right? Correct. Um, and not being limited to viewing every single aspect of world affairs and trying to figure out, all right, where does this all fit in right. into this calendar? Um, so I don't know. What do you think about, co- I know I know you- you're Yeah, not, I'm not, you're not, a, you're I'm not, not a covenant theologian. You're not big reform theology, but uh, Not why? even a little bit. I think it's a great interpretive framework okay. to live by, right? Uh, I think it's a really poor reading of Paul ultimately. Why is that? Uh, Because I don't think Paul is writing with the idea of like a church replacement in mind of Israel. I think Paul is, as a Jew, still writing as a Jew, still fully expecting to be immersed within Judaism. Okay. there, But just a different sect of that in terms of the Jesus following movement kind of developing out of that. I don't think Paul intends to. This to me feels like a uh, division that feels a little bit read anachronistically into the text. I don't think Paul is best interpreted in that light, right? And so I, so we're getting kind of into the weeds here, but the yeah. idea, well, uh, the idea that I struggle with that, right, yeah. is uh, there might be different expressions of the way that the faith is supposed to be taking place in a Jewish context, in a Gentile context. Um, but I think ultimately the idea here is like, this is meant to kind of understand that it's Gentiles are being grafted into this thing that we see in Romans 11, right? That's kind of a particularly important text to me. And so uh, the idea here is I don't think that the church is supposed to replace Israel by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think it is a much healthier framework uh, in terms of a robust theology, in terms of what you can develop out of this thing by not being overly literal. Uh, I think you are able to avoid a lot of pitfalls that you can potentially run into with the first perspective that we talked about. Yeah, so two questions about that would be, when when you say the church isn't supposed to replace Israel, right? Mm-hmm. What is your reference for Israel there? Are you talking about like the ethnic Judeans? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it would probably be... Are you talking about the people of faith who ascribe to Judaism? Yeah, probably the latter. There will probably... I, I don't know that that's a division that they would even make of themselves, okay. right? Well, yeah. There, I don't think those things would be separated for for Paul. Okay. So again, it feels like another unnecessary division to me. Or yeah. dichotomizing. So, so that being the case then, are you saying that there's two people of God? One in the Old Testament that's... Two expressions of the one people. Perhaps, right? So it might look different in a Messianic Jewish context yeah. than it would in a Gentile context. So yeah. Jewish people who claim Christ might still keep the Torah, right? Because it's a part of their cultural expression of that faith. Okay. Uh, and I don't think that's problematic, but you and I, you know, I like pork, so I'm going to eat it. Yeah. Right. And so there, I think there's a different conversation being had potentially. Okay. So how, how, but how is that necessarily in tension with the view that? It's the same, that from the beginning in the Old Testament, the intention was for one people of God. I'm okay, yeah, I'm okay with that idea, right? But that's a different, I think that's a different cry over and against what ends up happening with like replacement theology that just kind of ends up becoming like, yeah, the church is the new Israel and, and the way that it's typically applied in conversations. there it, it might start in one way that you're expressing, right? There's one people, but it often gets expressed in this like, we have replaced those people that were, back then, right? Mm. We're the new people now okay. there. So it feels, uh, it makes me nervous, yeah. right? Because it feels a little bit too individually centric uh, okay. to, to me to be safe, right? If it feels like you're trying to insert yourself as the hero of the story a little bit in a way that's more than what I'm comfortable with. Mm. Okay. So our third perspective would be hopefully what is kind of a middle ground. Yeah. Now, in all fairness, we've kind of expressed a little bit of the stronger positions of each sure more and more scholarship and probably churches are more towards the middle yeah of course on a lot of these issues yeah um but i think what's really important for us to understand is what's called an inaugurated eschatology and two big words all that means is that the coming of jesus has began in a real way the presence of and the promises of a new age right. without completely fulfilling them yet mm -hmm. or consummating them would be a better word. Um, fulfilling them to completion yet. Mm -hmm. And so this, this means there's a tension and this tension could be very well lived out because just think about this. When one comes to faith in Christ, there's a real death of the old, death of the self and rebirth. Right. And yet we still sin. Yes. I mean, how is that for tension? Yeah. Right? So not only our lived experience, but even how we're going to uh, interact with a non-Christian world, how we're going to view non-Christian governments, mm -hmm. et cetera, is rife with tension. Right. And it seems to me that the best way to explain some of this in the end times and these questions and curiosities for, well, uh, I mean, how much government power is gonna count and finally check that mark for this is the end times. Yeah. What's the mark of the beast, right? Is it is it a chip? Is it a vaccine? Like all these inclinations that we have. It seems to me that the best way to understand them is in this tension of the already, not yet. Yeah. Meaning some of the big promises that the Old Testament is looking for in the new age is, God, when will you judge the wicked? Well, it's already happening, but also not yet. Mm -hmm. God, when will you save your people? It's already happening, but also not fully yet. Mm -hmm. God, when will you um, establish yourself as king? Already happened on the cross, but he's coming back with a sword. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's this, this, this um, yearning and this hunger that is appropriate for us. And my caution would be, 
let us not be overly pessimistic about it, meaning right. it's all going to hell, like it's, it's all going to burn, nor should we be overly optimistic, let's make America Christian again, yeah. and then we'll bring the kingdom of God kind right. of thing. Right. So what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's probably where I, I stand, not probably, it is where I stand, um, because I think it does the best job of embodying tension. Yeah. Well, right. When we talk about this idea of like being, so you, we we have been saved through Jesus's work on the cross, right? And we have accepted that for ourselves as that gift, uh, or we've been drawn into that perhaps, right? And we still struggle with the idea of being made more like Christ every day. And, mm-hmm. and so this to me feels like it fits the embodiment of the human experience mm-hmm. uh, most appropriately. Uh, and it, it feels like it's a it's a viewpoint that has like over fifty percent tension in it, right? It's mm-hmm. like over half of this is just like, yeah, bro, I don't know, like I don't <laughs> got a great answer for you. Like stuff is crappy in a lot of situations, right? Like a lot of kids all over the world are dying needless mm. deaths because of malnutrition. Mm. Uh, but we got to keep pressing on, and mm-hmm. we got to keep doing what we can to like make dents in that because we want Jesus to come quickly, right? right? And so I love that because it's like everybody's pissed off in this viewpoint, right? Because <laughs> right? nobody gets kind of what they want. Uh, and so I, I think I tend to favor those kinds of positions because I think uh, it's the most accurate assessment of what the human experience is like for all people across all times. Right, yeah. And and so as I kind of gather some final thoughts here, how would this affect our church life and our church ministry? And two, two terms that I'm thinking of is the Great Commission. Yeah, yeah. But the Cultural Commission, is that a term you've heard before? Mm-mm. So the Cultural Commission is this perspective um, that the responsibility and the ministry starting with Adam and Eve wasn't simply to make God known right. in this abstract spiritual way, but it's also to make, to be the stewards of creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what gets broken in the Garden of Eden isn't this spiritual reality of relationship with God, yeah, but it's, it's also the world one. itself. Yeah, yeah. And we experience that. Right. Homelessness, poverty. Yeah. You, know, you name it, right? So the commission of the church isn't only the great commission in the sense of speak the truth so that people will think correctly, but it's be the hands and the feet that heal. Uh huh. So you don't only give homeless people gospel tracts, you give them food, you yeah. give them shelter, and you don't feel like you have to pick one over the other. Correct. You don't save only their souls, their stomachs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how can something like this view of the end times that is already happening but is also not yet, how would that... Uh, propel the church into some of these. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really just the living out of Matthew 6, right? When Jesus says, it's like, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Mm -hmm. right? That's our whole goal. It's like a kingdom call. Yeah, so I follow N.T. Wright pretty closely here with this idea of like, uh, the point of being a follower of Jesus is not to make it to heaven, right? Like the Mm -hmm. point of being a Jesus follower is like, we want to restore the earth. Mm -hmm. And and when we read Paul in Romans 8, there the idea of like, this labor pain that the earth has or that the world has. I like, I don't think God is going to abandon creation to Satan or whatever, you know, the enemy might be. It's like, well, you know, he got like such a good hold on everyone. Like, sorry, I can't do anything about it. It's like, I think God in his final judgment will come and restore the world to what it was meant to be, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of the personification of that that Garden of Eden picture. Yeah. Uh, and so to me, it, it is, again, this perfect blend of, you know, spiritual and physical. And, right. that's what, and I think it's the best marriage of those two yeah. kind of realms. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. So what do you guys think? What are some perspectives you've heard about the end times and how would we know? And how might this perspective on the inbreaking of the kingdom that is already here, but also not completely yet fulfilled, how would that change how we see ourselves, our relationships, our churches, etc.? Leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you guys and make sure to check us out on the Juice app. We'll see you guys next time on Kingdom Thinking.